Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. All right, a quick recap of the past few weeks' shows. They've been awesome. If you haven't listened, go back and check out Raleigh Ann Gray, my good friend who is the CEO of Must Love Sports and Senior Director of Athlete Exchange for Wasserman, Melissa Silberman, who's the Atlanta Hawks Director of Partnership Activation, Amina Solomon, who is the Player Personnel Coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Nita Srikanth, who is the COO of Influencer, which is this really cool sports tech content student athlete focused app. I just noticed as I was reading it that it's been ladies night on the work and sports podcast for the last month, which is really cool. I love that. That was not even intentional. Kevin Brown is going to break that string because he's coming up later this week. Kevin is the director of community relations for the Detroit Red Wings and director of the Detroit Red Wings Foundation, Detroit Red Wings, <laughs> Detroit Red Wings Foundation. I'm not editing that out. That stays super cool guy. I learned a lot about the power of community relations from our conversation and I know you will really like it so that's coming up on Wednesday we're also getting all of our fall semester sports curriculums up and running for those of you who don't know we have an online sports career game plan program has over 120 pages of content 30 and more or more videos downloadable worksheets audio files and more our program is used by sports management majors all across the country. Grand Canyon University, University of Florida, Ball State, University of Finley, Fonbonne University, Dubuque, many, many, many more. And if you're a professor who's listening, this program is available to you too. It teaches the strategies and tactics to get hired in sports. It's a textbook that is modern and agile and is continually being updated with more information. And it includes this really, 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 really cool benefit for all your students, which I'm not going to talk about here. You have to talk to me about it. So if you're a professor listening and you want to have a demo and see what it's like, see if the, the things we're teaching are going to be of value to your students, I know that they will be, uh, reach out to me. Uh, from the feedback we've received from students, it's life-changing. It's really made a huge difference to them. And if you like the content we share in this podcast, the sports career game plan is a whole nother level. If you're interested in learning more or seeing a demo, just email me, bclap at workinsports.com. If you're a student, Push your professor to learn more about our program. Your goal is to get a job after college, and we are going to teach you how. All right, on to today. Before we get into today's question, actually, I have another tangent I want to get into. It's a request for all of you. I need more podcasts to listen to personally. Now, here are the rules. I don't need any more sports podcasts. I have plenty of those, and I know what I like, okay? I need more podcasts for when I'm not listening to sports, now, I don't need political podcasts. I have a few I listen to and I respect and it helps me learn and I'm well covered there. And frankly, I don't want to hear everybody's opinions on what political podcast they think I should listen to because it might make me not like you. Uh, I really like well-produced professional podcasts that tell a story over six to ten episode arc. 
So examples of this, Winds of Change is a really cool one, which was a story about the CIA possibly producing the hit song from the 80s, Wind, uh, Wind of Change by the, the Scorpions. And it was uh, they were using it as uh, propaganda in a way to help Russian influence, I mean, to change Russian influence. And it was really super cool. Uh, the Clearing is a good one. The Catch and Kill podcast, which is about the cover up of Harvey Weinstein and how the story eventually got out and saw the light of day. Uh, and the granddaddy of them all cereal so if you have suggestions in this realm please help me i'm struggling to find some new ones to listen to and i'm a binge podcast listener Uh, also if you have any interview style shows that you like that are like ours that are like mine but not necessarily not necessarily related to sports or sports careers let me know those too because i'm always trying to improve my questioning and techniques I feel like I'm always changing in that regard. So to hear other people that are really good at it is always helpful. I listen to Howard Stern a lot to hear his interviewing techniques, and I pick up tips there. So I can pick up tips everywhere. So I'm looking for smart, insightful podcasts. If you have a suggestion to hook you, please let me know. I'm a content junkie, and I like to learn. The best way to let me know is to jump over to our private Facebook group. Search for the Work and Sports Podcast on Facebook answer a few questions so I know you are real. Everybody who doesn't answer the questions, I don't let you in. I hope you're noticing that. Anyway, let me know what you like and are listening to right now. I'll start the thread over there and you can all share what you're listening to. Okay, now to today's question from John in Los Angeles. And I'll be honest, it's a subject I don't really like very much, but is essential. This is John speaking. Hi, Brian. I've recently graduated, and while the world is turned upside down a bit right now, I am lucky to be in the midst of interviewing with two companies. Your advice over the years has really, really helped me. I wouldn't be where I am right now, feeling like success has arrived without your help. My question is simple. I think both companies are going to make offer me positions this week. How do I negotiate to get the best deal for myself and my future? John, thanks for the kind words, and I'm thrilled to know I helped. Even if it's just 1%, I'm really glad to be a part of your story and your journey, so thank you for that. The words matter. Uh, Negotiation is so incredibly important, but it's also awkward and difficult for everyone. So before we get into the best practices and some of the tactics you can use, I want everyone listening to recognize you are venturing into an area that many, many people are afraid to even travel into. It is difficult to negotiate on your own behalf. So take it easy on yourself as you traverse this awkward but essential path. You will get better at it over time and more confident in your worth and value to an organization. Your leverage will change over time. You'll understand it. You'll lean into it and you'll get better. It is tough as a person new to the workforce. But it is still a skill you should develop and embrace because it can make a huge difference in your lifetime of earning. Everything salary related from this point forward will build off your career starting point. No pressure. All right. No pressure there. Hey, it's just my whole entire life of earning. No, but seriously, we're going to make this simple. At the beginning, it's important to lean into best practices. Okay, so we're going to give you some of those and then let you fly like a birdie off into your negotiation world. Okay, number one. The negotiation starts way, way, way before you talk about money. Okay, most people think there are phases of the interview where I prove myself and I get the job and then we negotiate. The truth is, 
Negotiation starts way before that. Okay. I was in a session last week with students from Syracuse. It was about 70 young professionals, and we had a great hour-plus session. Awesome. Really, really enjoyed it. One of the students asked, what is the biggest mistake you see people make in the interview process? Really good question, right? I covered a lot of subjects, had a lot of different answers, because as you guys well know, I always seem to have 10 answers when people ask for just one. I like to give a lot of information <laughs> because there's a lot of answers to it. But anyway, um, one of the primary pieces of advice was that people try to off, try often, often they try so hard to remain, quote unquote, professional that they fail to show excitement or passion. And it is OK to show enthusiasm and excitement about the role. Matter of fact, I encourage it. OK, You have to, it's a human being that is hiring you and they want to feel like you want this job. So giving off that aura is important. Being super buttoned up and professional is less important, especially in your, when you're first getting started in your career. Now, why do I bring this up in this negotiation concept, uh, concept? Because in the interview process, if you are likable, passionate, enthusiastic, and show off your skills, you are the type of person that someone will fight for hiring. When you are interviewing with somebody else on the other side of that table and you make them like you, you present the right energy and enthusiasm, they become your advocate in the organization. Okay, so let's go through this again. If you're interviewing with me, for example, and we connect on all levels and I really like you and I am sold on your being the match that I need. I can see myself working with you and know you have the skills. I am now your advocate in the building. I am the one that is going to sell you to everyone else. So now when you say some simple script about your salary, I really like you. I've already started to imagine you as part of our organization. So when you say to me, hey, you know, I looked at all these, I've done all this research, I understand the cost of living. We'll get into some of this in a little bit. But I understand these, these, this, this, this. And what I really need is this number to make this work so I can be a part of your organization. If you've done it right in the whole interview process, I'm going to go fight for you. I'm the person on the inside that's going to say, I feel like this is legitimate. And I can go to my bosses and say, yeah, you know what? They want this a little bit more and I think we should do it because I've interviewed everyone and this person is the right one. So if you do it right in the early phases, you get that advocate in the building and then the salary negotiation part becomes much, much easier. And again, you only achieve that by being likable, enthusiastic and passionate for the interview process. Make them think that's how you establish leverage and we'll get into leverage in a little bit too, but that's how you establish leverage. You make somebody see you as a solution to their problems. That's all hiring is. I'm hiring somebody because I have a need at my organization. I have a hole that needs filling. I have a problem that needs solving. And if you can be that thing, it all gets easier to see yourself in that job. Okay, so number two, be exacting and well-researched. You can't just say, you know what, that's great, thanks for the offer, I'd like 10% higher and an extra week of vacation. Uh, that's not good enough. You need a reason, you need a story, and you need market research. You have to be able to articulate why an increase in salary or benefits makes sense and is justified. One of the most effective manners I've seen for a negotiation is for the interviewee to know with high detail the cost of living for a certain area. How much does it cost for rent, electricity, water, entertainment, gas, 
all that stuff and be ready to present that as a minimum salary that you, the person is willing to accept. Now, I don't mean to present a spreadsheet to them with your living expenses outlined on it. But if you say to your interviewer, I've done detailed research into the cost of living in this area and have just determined that to be a successful member of your team, because I love this organization, I've worked, loved, I can see myself working for you. But to be a successful member of your team, I need to make a minimum of X per year in salary. Now, when you frame it this way, you're framing your statement around expenses, living expenses, common expenses, rather than just a desire to be rolling in it. This makes you seem less like you are trying to maximize every cent and more like you are trying to figure out a way to achieve stability and be a part of their team. That's mature. That's reasonable. That's justified. Okay. If you go at it from that way, you can honestly often get what you need. Number three. Don't tell me everyone else who wants to hire you. Like, seriously, that is the most played out technique and it drives me crazy. Okay, so let me give an example. Some people try to force the idea of leverage. They think if they spill out everyone they've ever interviewed with, that'll make company X pony up more to get them. Right. So person X that's interviewing with me is like, oh, well, I've got other offers from, you know, Nike and ESPN and uh, Big Ten Network. So uh, what is it that you are going to do to make me uh, worthwhile to choose your company? Now, that to me is overplaying your hand. If somebody says that to me, I don't fall into the trap. And the reason I call it a trap is because this person fits into one of two categories. Number one, they really want to work at one of the other companies. We're trying to get me to increase my offer so they can leverage it against the other company, right? So Nike, for example, offered them some really terrible salary, some base salary because they don't have to hire them. And if I come back and say, oh, yeah, man, I want you. I'll give you 10, you know, I'll give you a way above what Nike's offering. Well, then they can go back to Nike and say, oh, well, Brian over here offered me X amount of money. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be your negotiating tool. I'm not going to allow you to use me as leverage. So I don't really play into that trap. Or number two, they don't really want this job. And sorry, I don't want to hire someone who doesn't really want to be here. So if somebody's just listing off like every job that's ever been offered to them and the different companies that want them, that's not exactly enticing. That does not really sell you. My advice in this situation when you're negotiating is to say that you want to make it work with this company that you're excited about the direction. You could see yourself growing and thriving within this team and then articulate why you want, need, deserve a higher, higher salary. Don't just start listing off all these names that, well, how are you going to beat this offer? How are you going to beat that? I'm so wanted. Everybody wants me. Um, that's really the wrong way to start off a relationship. Make them know that you are interested in their position and articulate a reason why you want, need, and deserve a higher salary. Now, if you want to leverage one offer, well, be specific about it. If you said something to the person you're negotiating with, I have an offer on the table from another company and they've offered me X in base salary. I want to work for your organization. If you can match that base salary, I'm in. Now, that is a much more effective technique than trying to look like the big boss in command and in demand. Humility plays and making it clear you want to work with this company and aren't just using them for leverage. It's very important. Just to bring it all together, I guarantee you when Lee Steinberg sat across from the Kansas City Chiefs negotiating for the largest contract in NFL history, he didn't say, well, if you don't pony up now, Pat is gone as soon as his contract is up. 
I'm sure he said, and I know this because I've talked with him about his negotiating technique, Pat wants to play here for the rest of his career. He wants to win more Super Bowls in Kansas City. So let's make a deal that wraps him up for life and makes sense for all parties. That is a more effective technique. It works. It doesn't mean you accept less. Clearly, Pat Mahomes did not accept less. (laughs) But it sends the message, I want to be here. And that tends to open people up to solutions rather than being defensive. Number four, be flexible in your needs and wants. You have to understand the company you are negotiating with and the larger macroeconomic pressures. What's happening in their world and their sector of the industry? Do you know what's happening with their business? Are they thriving? Are they struggling? Is the industry or sector as a whole slowing down or trending up? Knowing this can help you pivot. So if you ask for a higher salary and they balk, it may just mean that they can't do that right then. So pivot. Maybe there's a chance for equity. If you want to be there and it's a good job for you, come off the salary bump and ask for more vacation, a gym membership, higher 401k contribution, or equity, like I said. Other things can equate to great long-term value, and they may be more amenable to those things. It may be easier for them as an organization to get there. So like one other suggestion, if it's a big organization, know what other companies they own. If you worked at Turner Sports in the 1990s, they owned the Atlanta Braves. So you could negotiate for Braves tickets. You know, like there's things you could do to make the make it all come together. And remember that a job offers more a job offer includes more than just salary components. There are other components other than salary. Number five, don't fight over everything. Negotiate for things that are important to you, but don't just negotiate because you took a class on negotiating and you want to put that skill to work. If you're fighting over every last detail of your job, the message that sends is that you will be a problem employee. If you are literally fighting over every single little component argumentatively, they're going to start to regret their interest in you and pull back from the offer at all and be like, okay, good. We're done here. Uh, We're not going to meet your demands. See ya. Right. If you're that kind of a person, it sends the wrong message. Pick and choose. Be choosy and focus in on what really makes a difference for you. Don't just become a fighter. Negotiate with intention. Number six, understand where your leverage is. When you're a seasoned employee with lots of experience and a skill set that perfectly matches a job, your leverage is obvious. It's you your match, your value, the employer sees you as a solution for their needs. You are a proven commodity. You are proof of concept. You've got it done out there. You solve their problem. They want you. Your leverage is obvious, right? They see it as their world is harder without you and easier with you. So they're willing to pay for that. Earlier in your career, your leverage is a little bit different. It's smaller, but it does exist. And it goes back to my first point about being likable. If you are likable, skilled, and passionate in the interview process, and they, like, I'm serious, they really like you, the idea of losing you as a person in their culture is your leverage. They don't want to go back out and find someone else they like. They don't want to start all over again. They're so close to the finish line. Going back to the beginning of the process stinks. They want to hire you and move on to training and onboarding and getting you into their culture. They want to get closer to solving the problem you are there to fill. 
Now, this leverage, this style of leverage, isn't as strong as other points of leverage. Like later on in your career, you may be able to go 20 to 25% above their offer because you have extreme leverage, right? They need you. You're the expert in this thing. But in this instance, if you have played this the right way and you've mastered all phases of the interview process, it can be effective having a little bit of leverage based on your likability as long as you aren't too greedy. Stay within 5 to 10% of their offer and you'll make it hard for them to say no. It's just close enough. It's like you're playing poker and you make a, if you make a high over the top crazy bet, you'll see everybody fold because they're like, ah, you probably have a killer hand or it's just not even worth it for me to play along. But if you just nibble a little bit sometimes, if you just give a little bit of a raise, well, then you'd bring other people along for the ride. They look at it and say, ah, it's worth it for me to keep trying to take a look at this, right? Same thing here. If you're, if you're not too greedy and you make a little stab at increasing with five to ten percent of their offer generally speaking they say that's not too much of a risk for me to take on i can go to my boss i can be the advocate for this employee and make this happen so again negotiation is one of those techniques none of us really love it's a hard thing for your everyone who tries to get into it but it can be very important for your long-term growth potential and can set you up for success if you do it the right way so thanks for the question john thanks for uh really being a part of everything we're trying to create as part of the show. Thank you for being our audience, our guests, our subscribers, our people who go out there and rate and review every all of our content. Thank you all. You mean the world to me. Uh, if you listen on Wednesday to Kevin Brown's uh, uh, interview. I think you'll be extremely excited by it because it's a really cool interview and we'll just keep churning out great content and answering your questions. Join our private Facebook group, connect with me on LinkedIn, ask your questions. I want to know what you guys want to know and then I'll share my insight into all that as best I can. Thanks for listening everybody. Stay safe out there and keep wearing your mask forever. Never take it off, ever. Go to sleep with it. I'm being sarcastic, but wear your mask. Bye. Bye.